Oli oli, my lovelies, welcome to Sensitively Magical, a podcast where highly sensitive witches and intuitive creators come to celebrate our unique magic and creativity together. I'm your host, Millie Quintero, Libra Sun, Aries Rising, Pisces Moon. How is the week treating you? How was the Scorpio new moon eclipse intensity for you? I ended up being able to take a nap towards the end of the day on Tuesday. And when I woke up after the nap, I was even more tired than before I took the nap. So that was fun. How was it for you? You know that you can always reach me on DMs, on Instagram, at Alethea Coven, or at my email, milmail at alethiacoven.com to share however the week is treating you. I love to see how the astrology and my interpretation of the astrology manifests in your life. So you're welcome to, to do that. It's Thursday, which means that it's time for Witch of the Week. Witch of the Week are our Thursday's episodes in which we get to celebrate other highly sensitive witches for their creativity and sensitivity, in whichever way they may be currently experiencing so. Today's Witch of the Week is in fact Sewing Fairy Godmother, Karen Lapache. Karen is a professional pottery maker, grader, and tailor specializing in inclusivity. She's also a fascinating gene key guide. If you don't know what gene keys are, we actually don't dive into that, but we're going to have Karen again and we will dive into that in 2023, I promise you. But in the meantime, you can Google it or you can go to her website and find out about it. But anyways, Karen is also a mom, a trauma-informed yoga teacher, author of three books, musician, co-host of Magical Motherhood podcast, and one of the most wonderful human beings the internet has brought into my life. Karen is a highly sensitive person, just like the majority of us here, who also recently was diagnosed with ADHD, and in this episode we learn about her trajectory as a multidimensional being, how she came to accept and love that she is living many lives in this one lifetime, when society told her that she had to be just one thing. And we also dive into how she's managed to be a highly sensitive person while learning to be a neurodivergent because of her ADHD. One of the most wonderful things we get from this interview is the marvelous way in which she thinks and makes connections as she speaks. I could have edited this episode out a lot and reorganized her thoughts and put them all organized for you, but to be honest, I felt like by doing that, I was going to be dismissing her magic, which is partly given to her by her spiderweb mind due to her ADHD. I hope you enjoy witnessing her thinking process just as much as I did. Before we dive into the episode though, I want to let you know that I kept saying reparenting, reparenting yourself and it kept sounding like I was saying repairing yourself, so just be mindful of that <laughs> because for some reason my accent got very thick during that interview. Okay, that being that, let's celebrate Karen's magic. What you were saying about opening space or clearing the road. That's what you said, clearing the yeah. road. And I can just attest to that, like from the magic I received from you 
what was it, January, during your jinky <gasps> reading, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And I just what? want to say, yeah, I wouldn't be doing oh. this if it wasn't for you. Oh, my gosh. And thank you. I don't know if you listened to the first episode all the yeah, way. Of through. course. <laughs> I'm already your biggest fan. <laughs> Thank you. But I am doing at the, end of, at the end of all of my solo episodes, a dedication for it. And I dedicated that episode to my mom. But I was this close to dedicating that episode to you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to the listeners, this interview with Karen, it's actually my dedication episode to Karen. <laughs> because I received a jinky reading from Karen in January. And I have never felt more seen, more validated, more understood than when I received her magic. Your magic, like what you did during that jinky reading for me, like you talked to me about points like belonging and how that was one of the directions of what I was trying to like figure out and like what I could give to other people. And then like three months later, I was like, oh, I've struggled with belonging. Yeah. I'm going to give people belonging. And you clarify that for me. <laughs> so this is my dedication episode to you. Wow. Oh, I'm so humbled and honored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. You're in multiple places. In, you're like such a multidimensional human being. You're like... I'm like like before the interview officially begun you sing it and I'm like I didn't know you sang yeah <laughs> I just recent I think my Chiron return like I am Aries Chiron of course my Chiron return was like during an eclipse that big giant solar eclipse <laughs> it's like backed over me like a truck and forward it's like Chiron's been retrograded and moving forward and all of that for the past couple of years. Yeah. It has really helped me see and stop, see the possibility of simply just existing as a magical creature and not being res resentful my whole life. I've been resentful that I am only one human being at a time. Mm -hmm. I'm only one person. How can I only be one person? It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't realize that until, you know, we started using Notion and making task lists and all my tasks were actual projects. <laughs> like, no wonder I feel like I'm getting nothing done except that over the, you know, as I was writing down the things that I would like to include in my website when we were moving forward, my friend who helped me like revamp it, I made a whole spreadsheet and she was like, you have a body of work. Yeah. Nobody knows. Like, oh, yeah, I wrote three books. Oh, yeah, I was a singer. Oh, yeah, I had a music scholarship to college. Oh, yeah, I've been using text since like VHS or beta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've lived many lives in one lifetime, like old Deuteronomy from Cats. And um, I'm a 6'3 profile. I like know nothing about human design, but please give it yeah. to us. Well, you know about gene keys. And so those lines, it's the 6-3 the or whatever that is. It comes from the lines in the hexagram from the I Ching. And so a 6 lives the first part of their lives as a 3, which is like basically just making mistakes, bumping into things, learning by experience, trying everything. Can also be like kind of an escape artist to like, oop, I'm out. You know, that's definitely a third line kind of thing. Um, but it's like trying things and making mistakes and learning. And and so that was the first part of my life. But also 
um, three. So it was like double that. It was like professional mistake maker. I mean, I make mistakes so people I teach don't have to. Like I've already been through this and I know that there are a hundred right ways to do the same thing, whether it's planning a project, whether it's um, you know making a garment, whether it's learning a language. There's not one right way to do something. And that is one of these generational um, kind of splits I feel happening. And like that we might, you know, I'm 50 and my, um, my generation and like maybe 15, 20 years younger, and maybe five years older, whatever, kind of um, accepted that. Not that it wasn't in the consciousness of their collective consciousness, but that it is more accepted now that there's not only one right way to do something. There's not just go to college, get a good job, buy a house, have a family, that's your life. Mm-hmm. And that's the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. There were always rebels, and thankfully, some yeah. people like me and you, we can have role models. <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't like a generational thing where we're like, no, actually, it is completely acceptable to do this your own way. You're probably going to discover something different. There are different paths to the same location, but there are also different paths that take you beyond whatever that destination is. It doesn't have to be the end. Mm-hmm. I so, love that. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that's kind of, it has set me up for failure in the eyes of so many, my family of origin, you know, I'm definitely a black sheep if ever there was one. Um, always have been. And I've accepted that's just the way it's going to be. And finally this summer, I am 50 years old. And finally this summer, I decided I am never going to be accepted. Like, or understood by my family. And so what? Mm. I'm my family now. If I wasn't parented the way I needed, I still have my inner child in me. I can reparent myself now. I can let her, them, him, all of the past lives and her children, everybody in this human structure of mine know that it's safe to come out and play and make mistakes. And you're not in trouble. And I hope that by doing that, (laughs) I'm modeling it for other people, especially my children, but their friends and people beyond that as well. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing that with us too. Because yes, we need to repair ourselves. Even if we had like a good, enjoyable, happy childhood or who don't want to look below the surface. And that's fine. Not everybody has to. But for those of us willing to do that work, it's okay. And we don't compare our traumas or our disappointments to anyone else because it's relative to our own experience. Just because someone had a violence committed against them doesn't mean it was like worse or or easier than systemic racism, for instance. You know, like I could never know what that is to be on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I know what it is to be a white person and to be responsible for helping open the eyes and be ready to learn and change and grow from my other, it's my job to change my family's point of view. It's not somebody else's job who's a victim of the systems that were put in place and that I've benefited from. It's my job. And so I feel the same way about 
So I, you can't compare the trauma of something systemic and something personal. And you can't compare like even if two children were neglected. It, it means something different to to them. Some people take it and like that was their fuel for being allowed to do what they want. Like, just like I said, like not observed. Cool. You didn't tell me I couldn't do this. I'm going to try something and make something new and find my own family um, outside of my family. But it doesn't mean that that missing part isn't still missing. Right. And somebody else who was neglected, even if it's benign neglect, because parents are too busy in their own heads to connect and have a relationship with their children. And I think that was pretty culturally acceptable that your children are like these um, jobs that you have that you form in a certain way. And if they make all the steps, like I said, then you did a good job and you didn't worry about whether they were happy or fulfilled or what interested them. And, you know, I see that differently. But that um, that experience could still have some kind of underlying trauma that we have to deal with. And so like that, someone could think they had a great childhood because their parents left them alone, but someone else could have that same kind of external situation and feel abandoned, right? So there's no comparison. Um, All we can do is be open to listening and understanding each other or being compassionate. We, like I said, I will never understand what it means to be, um, you know, the victim of systemic racism, but I can be compassionate and I can try to address the parts that, you know, grew up in me that were wrong. And I can try to address the parts that were, are still rampant in my family and just not let it be acceptable for people to say and make assumptions about things in my presence. And if that means they don't want to hang out with me, so what? I wouldn't choose them as friends, so I don't have to spend time with them. I respect that I was brought here on earth through this group of people, but it doesn't mean that they have to be my friends. So, you know, there's that. There's that too. And we never know how we're affecting other people either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a tangent for us. <laughs> Just to say we all have childhood wounds and we can reparent those wounds. And that is how the adult us heals. And it's how we become whole. Yes. Yes to all of that. Great conclusion. I agree. And it is interesting because you're saying this and I'm just seeing reflected something that I experienced myself too, where you're right, we cannot compare experiences and we can also not diminish our own experiences, which is something that I grabbed from what you were saying as well. Like, yes, we have wounds, we have traumas and like, I did this for a very long time. Like I would like, I would diminish my own experience and my own traumas in the process and just to like do the right thing because someone else could have it worse. Yeah. But like what you're saying, we cannot compare. No. And you can still do the right thing because someone else could have it differently or worse. Of course, that doesn't mean like don't help people or yeah. don't donate money or time or resources or your ideas to an organization that's set up that, to help people be healthy. Yeah. But it does mean that um, it's okay to also honor however you felt in your situation and to get in touch with that person that, who you were and allow them to grow up and be in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah, it's so funny because 
this episode is supposed to come out in like two weeks, but it's still on theme to what last week's theme was. I know. I love that. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, yeah. I think it's <laughs> lovely. I have really enjoyed that episode too. I realized that while I was talking like, oh yeah, gosh, I guess the inner child is the magician, right? Mm. In all of us. And so maybe that's where our magic comes from. Is the innocence, openness, and fascination, and awe, and amazement of a yes. child being able to exist in the world, being fascinated by, uh, you know, a how a flower grows or how seed sprouts, and having that childlike innocence, the beginner's mind—that's where we find the magic. Speaking of children, and you were saying a little bit ago as well opening those roads for new generations and reparenting ourselves and working with the child in us. You are the co-host and editor of uh, Temporary <laughs> Magical Motherhood. Did I say that yes. right? Mm -hmm. I hadn't listened to it until yesterday. In oh, really? <laughs> in prep for And the, I don't know what to call it, value proposition, the slogan for it. You know how you say community care while raising the next generation and healing your ancestral wounds. And I just love yeah. that so much because also on that theme of reparenting ourselves and your role as a mother, but also you guys talk about archetypal environment and the community aspect that I really like. I, uh, my sister-in-law has a uh, two-year-old baby now and I don't see myself as a mother and But something has been brought up to me from that in from that experience of now having a nephew, like right. and how I want to care and I want to provide for this baby, this child, this future generation. Yeah, you get to be Auntie Millie. You can leave <laughs> when he's like frustrated. You get to go <laughs> and come back and be like the sparkly auntie. You get to be the fun. <laughs> right. And like I get I get to support and I get to And in that community aspect. So I just want you to like share with us a little bit of um, magical motherhood, how they came up to be like, I mean, because it's just one more of your projects and look at you having all these lives in this one lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I love those people. The, um, we, <laughs> we were, um, you know, all members of the holisticism Uh, shout out to Holisticism. <laughs> yep, shout out to Shelly P. Um, we were um, we came together to form a panel for the Summer Solstice Festival last summer. Um, Erica and I were on two of them together, actually. One about birth and abortion and, um, you know, fertility and, like, all care around that and accepting and um, providing support for people in all situations dealing with that kind of thing. And then another one with uh, magical motherhood and Hallecue, incredible Hallecue, hoodoo witch. Um, she asked me to do this panel with her and I was like, yes. And um, we need to have <laughs> Erica and Ariana on here too. And so the four of us came together and it was like, it was magic. We have such great chemistry together. We love each other. And over the past year of recording, well, we don't always record, but we've been getting together weekly until recently. Um, 
we've just gotten to know each other so much better and we realize we learn from each other in the moment. And we hope that someone listening, even somebody who's thinking about being a child or understanding their responsibility or opportunity, and sometimes it's both, they're the same thing, as a role model in communities, um, can get something from our experiences or understand that there's a different way. It's not to encourage people. I mean, it could even be called like magical kin keeping because it's as much about Ooh, mm-hmm. that or community keeping um, as it is about like actual motherhood, but the, that's our experience. So we're sharing it from our experience in hopes that it will be easily transferable and translatable um, without saying this is only for, you know, people who've given birth with their bodies or only for people who've, you know, legally adopted families or only for people who like are going the traditional route of being a a future ancestor, basically. Mm, I like that. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. all of us though. And, you know, even like seeing my older daughter's friends and um, acquaintances and roommate and understanding she doesn't want to have children and that's fine. Um, Like I said, I didn't want to have children either. Though I was her age when she was born. She's going to be 25 next week or next month. Um, But even she, she hasn't listened to my podcast, but she was saying um, a few months ago, I have a roommate who had crappy parents. So as a person who cares about my roommate and who cares about society progressing and moving forward, it's my job to understand like, quote unquote, parenting, because we're all taking care of ourselves. I mean, she had me for a mom. That doesn't mean like I wasn't learning the whole time and making mistakes. I don't have all the answers. I'm just open to learning things. So you asked before, like, what should we celebrate about me? That. That I'm willing to be wrong and I'm willing to learn. And whatever I learn might still be wrong. (laughs) But it's like a step in a new direction. Um, But that she, without even having a discussion with me, came to that. Like, I'm responsible for the, you know, my interaction with the inner child or the, you know, the wounded parts or the the magical creative parts of other people in my environment, it just made me feel like, yeah, okay, I did a good job. <laughs> this person who doesn't want to have a kid is still a parent to people and not a parent in like, I'm the boss of you mm-hmm. <laughs> or you're in trouble because I don't approve of what you're doing, but the the best kind of parent, the kind of parent you want to have because it's you. <laughs> So it's not just about being a mother, but it's about being a caregiver of and a, a caretaker and a care maker of um, all different types. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I got from. I mean, from just the trailer. But then I went into the episodes, and I was like, oh, I, I, I was tricked by the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, and it was like. I was like, but it's four moms, like with how many kids between us, like nine kids between. We couldn't like not call it magical no, motherhood. No. Oh my but- God. No, exactly. Like I agree, but I'm not going to lie. I was like, I'm intrigued and I want to support, but I also don't have the time. Yeah. Like how does this apply to me? Right? Yes. Kind of. Yeah. That was kind of like where I was coming from. And then I was like, well, now I have to for research. And then I was like, I can send this to my sister-in-law, but also this works for me. Also this works for my, this works for my sister. So it's like. 
everyone can benefit what you said, kinship, right? That aspect of community. And at the end of the day, it's in those relationships too that we also get to grow and we also get to make a difference and we also make, get to, to help show the other person if they're willing to your guidance as well uh, to repairing themselves. And like, yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's not in the moment. That's the part when I was talking about letting go of ego, like, I don't know what I've said that had, when you told me what an impact our little time together had, I didn't know that at the time. I mean, I, I hear you saying it now, but also I'm amazed at it from like, I'm looking at it kind of from a detached position because it's like it what it existed in that sphere together uh you and me together and then it became its own thing but we never know how what we say or how we are is going to influence or encourage or discourage um somebody else and so yeah just thinking about and not beating ourselves up if we're not this way but having the intention of how can I be more loving in this moment is I think it's the only way to live the only way to get through I'm gonna cry the world right now <laughs> is to take care of each other so that's magical motherhood <laughs> yes everybody listen to magical motherhood because it is it is medicine thank you for saying so and I wasn't sure because my intention is to hear, yes, have highly sensitive people or sensitive people, but that doesn't mean it's exclusive. And that's why I ask, do you consider yourself a highly sensitive person? But I wasn't, I didn't know you did. And look at your sensitivity flow. I love it so much because it's like, you know, you get all teary eyed, you're crying over there, and it's like, it's totally okay. Like, let's think about Tika's episode, how she had to hide her sad emotions or her tears. Oh my gosh, I felt that right in my yeah when she when she said that I was like oh my gosh I wish I could tell her I'm telling her now <laughs> I wish I could tell her that I cried myself to sleep every night until I was in my 20s and I didn't know that not everybody did mm-hmm. it was just and it's funny I think I posted something about it and before I blocked my mom from following me on social media <laughs> Um, she was like, what do you mean? Like, she, of course, took it personally. <laughs> like, why? I didn't know you were so sad. I was like, I don't even know that it was sad. I think I just had big feelings that were not allowed to be expressed, mm-hmm. whether they were sad or not. And like Atika said, like, anger is somehow acceptable. And yet sadness or complexity is not because um, it's hard to understand. It's not a sound bite. <laughs> yeah. It's not, and it's not something that you can understand without having compassion. And that's, you know, that requires work. Yeah. It's not our natural state. I mean, maybe it is our natural state of being, but it's conditioned out of us by the time we're adults. I don't have time to deal with your feelings or whatever. Like that was, so I wasn't like, nobody came in my room and was like, why are you crying? Like Atika said, (laughs) but, or stop crying. I mean, like that's even worse. Uh, or stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Like that was a theme of oh, my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you literally did give me something. To, why do you think I'm crying? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you already did. Um, it's not always about sadness for me. And so I think that was just an emotional release so that I could finish my day. Because otherwise, how can you sleep with so much feeling inside? 
And when no one teaches you boundaries or no one has healthy boundaries in your own family life, like you don't know that you can protect yourself. And that doesn't mean to hide. Again, it's not about hiding. But to protect yourself, you need a permeable boundary. So you get to decide what comes in and what doesn't. You get to decide how you're going to take something. Or you get to decide if you take it personally and then it takes you a minute to let it dissolve into like understanding and compassion for someone else. But it's like that reactivity that is somehow more acceptable than sensitivity that is kind of like squished out of us. And I didn't want that for my family or my inner child who's still like just tiptoeing out again now. Um, but yeah, that I definitely consider myself a highly sensitive person. I would go outside, listen to the wind uh, blowing in the trees as a kid. <laughs> Yeah. By myself, I just start crying because it was so beautiful. Oh. I could look at art, uh, see a brush stroke, and feel like overwhelmed with feeling it in my body. Listening to music, I mean, that's a really, a really big one for me. Some singers' voices, I feel it. I feel the just the tones. Not even so I don't even know the lyrics to her. I didn't even know the lyrics to like songs in my own band. I would always sing something different. So. It was like, surprise, Karen just made up a new verse. <laughs> it was very frustrating to my bandmates. But anyway, the, um, I don't even have to hear the words, but I can feel the music. I can feel the way, the quality of someone's voice um, can affect me. And it's surprising. Like it can be hard rock. It could be opera. It could be folk music, anything. It doesn't have to be a kind of music. A, an instrument that um, resonates, and I'm using that word, literally <laughs> can resonate with my own cells. Like I feel my own cells vibrating to my favorite instruments. You know, like I played clarinet for 14 years and when I got a wooden clarinet for my 12th birthday, that was like a rosewood clarinet. It was like, nobody could have given me a better gift. Like my mom's good at gift giving. We don't even talk to each other yet. We send a text on holidays and we send each other gifts. Like that's our only communication. And you know what? That's the relationship, and that is fine because we're not hurting each other anymore. Mm. So, um, and the gifts are always like thoughtful. That's how we communicate. And that I'm crying because I'm sad about what could have been, but you know what? I have to give it to myself now. <laughs> what could have been? So, um, the uh, that um, resonance, that gift of having a rosewood clarinet and making like allowing my breath to move through this instrument and make sounds that like it was like a continually re-nourishing cycle of beauty um and not that I was I'm good at doing this it was that I was allowing it to come through me oh my gosh I'm gonna cry this whole episode um <laughs> allowing it to come through me and just being in awe that I was this vessel for beauty. So whether I make the art or whether I experience it that someone else made it, it's like equally as impactful to me. And I just have so much joy in witnessing it. And of course, tears of joy, <laughs> still tears. <laughs> I just leak. That's how I express myself. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. There's just too much to contain in this human body. So it leaks out. Yeah. And like cry for it. Like, 
it's good. Like I also, I'm also just thinking about it to like cry for the ones who aren't allowed to cry and are still repressing those. You know, like yeah. And yeah. but that is so beautiful. And I, yeah, as a highly sensitive person, I definitely relate to that feeling of you both like perceiving the art, perceives the sounds, the what you're seeing, and and just feeling overwhelmed regardless, you know, like if it's beauty, if it's joy or if it's sadness or if it's just like right. pure nostalgia, but also in the making of it as well. Like, yeah. Cause I'm still experiencing it. It's not like I drew this thing. I mean, I did, but I allowed it to happen. And a way to honor that is to practice and to hone our openness and to hone our abilities so that our abilities can match our ambitions. But I don't feel like it comes from me. And it's mm. funny because somebody asked in a in a group I'm in, like, what's always been true about you? And this came out of me. And I was like, I've never told anyone that before. And I guess I was getting ready to tell you. Um, <laughs> Channel in before, but, yeah. Yeah. But even like in the moment when I allow myself to have that space um, to experience beauty, whether my hands made it, my voice made it, or it was made and it's in my, in the air I'm breathing. I, I just, I am so honored and touched to get to witness it. And so, yeah, if I ever thought I wasn't sensitive, it was because I was in denial and mm. uh, locked up in my own little box. <laughs> keep me safe from crying all the time amazing I'm so happy you said that too like I'm so happy for every single word you're sharing with us today <laughs> <laughs> but yes yes that's a really good point and I never thought about it that way but it's true you know this is all about you but I just want to give a glimpse into this because I just connected I just had no this. I want it to be about us so please tell me your experience <laughs> I just it's not all about me <laughs> I just had this realization while you were saying that that I bought the highly sensitive book a little bit ago, but I knew about I bought it when it. it came out. <laughs> and I heard about it the first time I must have been, it must have been like 10, eight years ago, maybe. I was already living in the States. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got a feeling about that, but I'm just not going to go through this book. I'm just going to eventually one day and then. But it was always there, and it was always like show up on someone's Instagram, like someone will talk about it, and I'll be it like, "It was trying to find you." Yeah, and, and like, it'd be no, like, "Thanks, <laughs> exactly." And it's like, "No, nah, no." Nah. And then finally, like, I started to like connect with this, did the research, and I'm like, "Oh my fucking god!" I finally understand. I finally know what is it. Um. Anyways, sidetracked. Little little story of that because I just made that realization and how easy it is to live in denial yeah. of your sensitivity. And yeah. this applies to... And it's not always conscious, right? It's like you just don't recognize yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't see that in yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, I forgot the thought. It's fine. That's, that's good. But I do have two questions. So you're a highly sensitive person. You're a multidimensional being. You are embracing every aspect of your being that has been I don't know that your genius has communicated to you to follow you know musician uh jinkies reader potter maker podcast host all of the things and you were recently diagnosed with ADHD yeah 
So one question is, how has it impacted you? Like knowing this, how do you co- like cope is not the word, but like how do you live knowing you're a sensitive, a highly sensitive person, you have ADHD, and then you have all of these magical ideas, all of this, your genius is just like constantly, and then to not be overwhelmed and actually pursue those things that you are wanting to pursue. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. This You're stating why I was resentful that I'm only one person at a time because there's so much that I want to share that I don't want to keep to myself, <laughs> that I don't want. Like, you know, my dad has a lot of issues, but one thing that he said that I appreciate is that he acknowledged that I um, have healed a lot of things in me that are, have been generational issues and that I'm not bringing the same old boring fucking alcoholism, depression, anxiety. I'm not bringing our, at least from his side of the family, like I'm not bringing that forward. I, I said, no, this is it. We're done. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't accept it. <laughs> and not, I don't accept it. I'm going to like pretend it doesn't exist, but like, I don't accept it. How do how do I dissolve this hold that this generational trauma and and pain has on all of us? And he said, thanks for like giving your kids new and interesting reasons to go to therapy and not the same old boring ones <laughs> everybody else has had for hundreds of years. <laughs> These same wounds. Um I thought that was that was like such a great acknowledgement. Yeah. Um my dad has ADHD. My sister has ADHD. Mm. Um, my sister, we've never gotten along since she was born, basically. Um, which is interesting because I get along with almost everybody. But they're like, there's something. We're definitely on different paths. We're definitely different people. Um, and you know what? Sometimes you just don't resonate with somebody. And it has to be okay even when they're in your family. Like, you don't have to like everybody. You have to, I mean, if you want to be healthy and and a whole person, you you have to, like, accept that they're allowed to exist. <laughs> but you don't have to like them. You don't have to choose to be around them, right? And even when they heal, whatever is causing, like, the traits or the behaviors that you don't like, you may still not like to be around them. And that's okay. And that's pretty radical. <laughs> but you know what? That's fine. Um, But my dad and sister are basically chaos demons. So, of course, I, you know, I did most of my homework. I could learn things quickly. I made it through school okay. I got accepted to college. I never finished because by the time I got to college, I did not have any like strategies or skills for studying and learning something new. I had my own way of like just absorbing things and then using it. And then it became part of me. And so I couldn't tell you how I learned whatever, like being an exchange student in high school to Germany, um, to West Germany, because it was that long ago that it was two countries. um, I took one, like one and a half years of German. And then I went there and I learned it by living there. And I, you know, I learned all the proper grammar and I learned, you know, learned it well enough to teach it when I was a high school senior. I taught at a professional language school. So 
that but that's not the way that you're supposed to learn a language you know even though it's the easiest way i think so i'm constantly taking things in but like having someone teach me yeah i can definitely take notes do assignments but i just um i had to take a lot of years to learn how my learning is different and so getting a diagnosis it's funny cuz a couple of years ago a sleep doctor told me, I'd like to put you on Adderall because I have something called narcolepsy. And of course, I think it's like falling asleep while you're driving the car, like in the movies or whatever. It's not. It's that whenever I would stop moving, I would fall asleep like during the day. I thought it was like, oh, maybe I'm eating things that are causing my body to like have to rest so it can digest. So I'd like experiment with like eating only raw vegetables at lunch or eating, you know, I'm, I'm very disciplined so I can do these things perfectly <laughs> to experiment it's the scientific method. You know, it's not like I don't know how that works, but um, it wasn't any of that. It was that I stopped moving. And so my body shut down. And so that's narcolepsy. And so, but when the sleep doctor said that to me, I was like, I don't have ADHD. <laughs> I'm not going to take a medication. <laughs> so my sister is on and off medicated, but she like was classic, like just like, couldn't pay attention to something or would like, was always fiddly. Um, and then my dad is like me, except uh, times 1000, always doing different things and never finishing them and, you know, making promises to us kids and not following through. And so like that it's very important to me that if I make a promise to my children, I follow through. I still am overly optimistic about what I can accomplish in a, an amount of time. So that's something I struggle with in my like technical work that I do for clients. Um, and it's there's still a level of shame there that because I didn't know ahead of time how long something's going to take, it means I'm not good at it or something, which is wrong because I am not willing to allow it to be half-assed, you know someone's paying me especially, but even if I'm interested in helping something come into the world, I want it to be like with all of the learnings that I've had in this at, up until this point. So I had rejected that I have ADHD because I saw the scattered, like very stereotypical expression of that in my family. And um, my therapist, when, then when we started taking these classes with holisticism and I started to learn like, oh, it doesn't always mean that you can't remember things or that, you know, I have a different concept of time from literally everybody I know. And my husband and youngest child are human clocks. So that's very frustrating to them. It's not that I'm always late. It's that like, I don't experience time the same way. I call myself atemporal. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so yeah, so that is, that's difficult for them. Um, but that that kind of friction helped me see, like, maybe there, there's something different about me is not something um, that's just like, this is the way I am. But, like, maybe there's a way to help me harness this 12-lane highway of thoughts that are constantly happening at the same time. And there are car crashes on some of those highways. There's construction on another, like, in my brain. Um so my therapist said, do you think, you know, <laughs> you might have ADHD? No, of course not. I'm not like my dad and my sister, like as if there's only one expression. Right. Um, and then taking these classes, learning like what some of these symptoms are and like 
like I said, like having a list of tasks that are actually like full month long projects. I heard somebody wrote someday that like a kid asked, like, how do you become an astronaut? And the the person was like, okay, you finish school, you study this, you um, go to training and then, you know, you're an astronaut. And the kid's like, cool, that's four things. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> and so like learning to, even though I'm very good at process steps and breaking things down and I can see a garment, for instance, like when you're wearing something, I know how to make it just by looking at it. And my dad has that same thing. He's a metal model maker. So he can look at like car parts and know how it needs to be. He can look at an engineering drawing, even though he's like not a trained engineer and know like what needs to change in order for that to fit and be willing to experiment to, to get it just right. So that the, the picture in our mind becomes what is created through our hands. We'll come back and talk about art and frustration um, later if you want to. But yes. um, that's part of it. That translation between our ambition and our accomplishments is sometimes that's why we have to hone the skill. So I guess we're going to talk about it right now. So that's why it's Go honoring it. <laughs> it's honoring that to, to hone and practice the skills. Um, but the uh, learning that um, just talking to me. How did I think I wasn't hyperactive? I've been on like every sport. So like even physically, but mentally I'm hyperactive. Right. I'm an interrupting dinosaur. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm that knock knock joke. <laughs> so, um, but that, you know, it's frustrating for some people. And yeah. then I noticed that. And so being sensitive, it's like something is, why can't I control this? And that, that impulsiveness. Um, and like you said, like now I have five questions and I don't know what they were like. How do we capture that? How do we explore that? Um, that requires so much overhead and management. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely have the hyperactive kind, but also I can be hyper focused. I can do something for twelve hours and not get tired if I'm not interrupted. I can. And that's why I don't want to change this atemporal part of me because exp expanding that time, it can feel like 12 hours in 30 minutes if I'm fully immersed in it. And so allowing that space for those kinds of things to happen is important. Also functioning in everyday life and doing things on time is important. So um, when I, when I, when we were taking this class with Michelle and uh, she was saying all these things, I was like, huh, maybe I should ask my therapist. Um, what she thinks. And I asked her, do you think I might have ADHD? Like, I didn't know it could be this. She's like, oh my God, finally. Oh. I was like, why didn't, and then I started like, why didn't you ever say this to me? Like, why didn't you suggest that I get evaluated? She's like, let me check my notes and listed like <laughs> three dates <laughs> in the last year where she had gently like tried to encourage me to explore that. And I was like, no, I'm not like them. So that's not me. Um, yeah, because I had dismissed it in denial. Mm -hmm. um, I like, I didn't even, I wasn't even open to seeing, how can you be open to everything all the time? Right. But I wasn't open to seeing that in myself and not that I thought it was a defect or like, it would have been like a pretty easy answer to why a lot of things, not a, an answer to why, but not an answer to how, you know, all those things of my childhood, like how I experienced things and why I 
somebody tells me two different things and like, they're amazed that I make a connection with them. But like, you could throw me any two things and I can find a connection with them. I am a spiderweb brain. Like all of this is happening at the same time. And so it's also why my husband asked, like, if you have ADHD, like, did you know I was on strategic planning at Ford Motor Company, Ford Credit? (laughs) Um, I was part of the team that helped save the credit rating of this enormous company. Wow. No, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I was the most junior member of the team, but I created the presentation. So like people could say things and I created a visual representation of that to help communicate it to people who didn't already have the expertise. So like learning something quickly and translating it into its essential parts is like a real gift of mine. And that comes from thinking differently. That comes from ADHD. So I don't, I'm not in denial. I wasn't in denial that I had it because I didn't want to have it. I was in denial that I had it because I didn't see examples of the gifts that come from that and like the explanation that it could give, like why I always felt like a failure as a child. Like I just told you all these amazing things that I did, but it didn't matter because I had a literal conversation with my mother where she brought my report cards over when I was like 42 years old and was trying to like show me, why didn't you ever do well in math? Well, like I use math every single day right now. It's not that I didn't learn it. It's that I didn't like get it at the time it was presented, but I still learned it, used it. So basically came over to tell me what a failure I was and yet look at like A plus in music, extra honors, like state honors choir, um, music scholarship to college, like all of this, like not valued. The same things I valued were not valued. And that's why I didn't feel understood because like what was important to me was not important to them. And it's not that math wasn't important to me. It's that theoretical math was not interesting to me, but practical applied math is how I solve problems right now. I make sewing patterns that is so highly technical. I turn one little thing into many different sizes so that it can fit different varieties of human shapes. That's geometry. That's seeing all the component parts and how they go together. And that is a particular talent of mine that comes from my dad's line. And he has ADHD. And that's how he always valued, like when he was diagnosed in like his 70s, early 70s, he was like, oh, that's why. But he didn't want to be medicated. He thought it would take away from that. I knew that the right medication can like, I always say to fire signs, um, let's not burn it all down. I'm a super duper Sagittarius, um, giant stellium. (laughs) Let's not burn it all down. Like put your candle in a jar, let it warm the people around you, focus it, like allow it to illuminate what you're doing, allow it to provide energy in a constructive way. I mean, burn it all down if you have to, but like not all the time. I consider myself like a, you said I'm a manifesting generator. Absolutely. Anyone who knows me, even if they don't know about human design, as soon as they learn what that is, they're like, oh yeah, how could you be anything else? Um, But I always like would describe myself as a, like, you know, the Tesla generator where there's like sparks of energy, like constantly coming off of me. They don't hurt anybody. They're just like there, their energy. Um, I always identified with that. I love that. So learning that I had ADHD, both subtypes, is why I did not understand that I had it. It was because I had both sides. And sometimes they mask, because I can cope, because I'm great at dealing with things, it it masked the um, 
the aspects from both sides. So once I found the right medication and titrated to the right dose, I felt like um, I put my candle in a jar. So how that's affected me is that now I can be systematic about things. I don't get overwhelmed by everyday life um, to the point where I am paralyzed um, with decision. You know, I, I'm the person who makes decisions. There's so many Libras in my house. Like I have to make choices. So that <laughs> like what to have for dinner, that's fine. But like where to start on a project, that executive function level, even though I'm so good at seeing all the parts was just not accessible to me. So um, when we went through a period where the medication wasn't available or they switched generics on me and for some reason, like it just didn't work. All of a sudden it was like, I wasn't on medication anymore. Um, my youngest child was like, mom, have you taken your medication today? And I was like, oh, no, not yet. Why? Uh, you're trying to say two sentences at the same time. Wow. <laughs> oh. And so I asked, like, has it always been like this for you that you realize that your mom is like a hyperactive, you know, chaotic, good force in the universe? <laughs> and she said, yeah, um, yeah, but I didn't know it could be different until you took medication. So I just accepted it. And now I know that, like, we can move. It's not a linear fashion anyway, but it's like a, a sensical progression to people outside of my brain, um, it helps me connect better with people. It helps me connect better with myself. It helps me see that there are lines, even if they're not straight lines, that connect everything instead of just kind of knowing it. It helps me explain where those are. And so I know that was like a pretty spider webby ADHD explanation Perfect. to how I got here, but um, I'm grateful for the diagnosis. Um, kind of irritated that I was 49 years old before I realized it. Um, and like you, the signs for the HSP book, like trying to find you, ADHD was trying to find me and like help me explain why I was, you know, I felt like I never lived up to my potential. And it's, um, it's given me tools and uh, helped me accept um, how I got here. And now that I know how I got here, I can move forward a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that story with us because I, again, this is a, this is a space to create space for mm -hmm. the voices and the ways of being that are in the mainstream. I don't know what to call it mm -hmm. that, you know, that the world isn't built around and yeah. Yeah, it's with stories like yours, like this space that we're creating right here that we can make space for right. more people with ADHD, more highly sensitive people, more sensitive people. Yeah. Oh, and the answer to why I was able to work at Ford and be so highly effective in that corporate environment when I have ADHD, first of all, because I see that I see see the connections between things and I'm able to explain it. And in that time, there was external structure. So I had to like work inside the external structure. I was a single mom. I needed a good job. That was a good job. Um, I also had a lot going on all the time and there was a lot of information. And so that kept my mind busy so that I could 
you know, do the things that were asked of me. And also I was taking um, Prozac at the time because I thought I had depression, which it turns out I do not um, experience depression. Wow. It, is, it was simply overwhelmed from ADHD, but that addresses part of ADHD. So I was partially medicated at the time as well. So all of those things conspired together to allow me to be able to be really effective in my position. The only woman on the team, I was like in my (laughs) 20s and um, no degree. And people always thought I worked for them. Like a CFO of the company was like, hey, do you work for me? I'm like, no, I'm not in finance. (laughs) Like, why not? Um, Because I don't have an MBA. (laughs) Like, why not? We'll pay for it. Who's going to raise my kid? No, my priority was my child. And so even though they would have paid for me to finish school, there were more important parts of my life. So I never finished school. I probably never will. And I'm finally okay with that too. It's not a failure. It's a different right way to go through life. Thank you for saying that, Kieran, because I didn't finish school either. And for a very long time, I felt like a failure because of that. And again, right in this conversation, we're making space for the people who didn't finish school and most and the ones who won't finish school and right or maybe not everybody needs to go to college maybe why don't we value that like i live in seattle you cannot find a plumber wow um and they are extraordinarily expensive good for them it's a skilled trade we haven't valued skilled trades why are we not helping kids decide like what their moving toward and understanding that being a plumber is a respectable, needed, and valuable job. (laughs) That is just as important as being a software developer, as being a lawyer. Being a mail carrier was essential throughout the pandemic. How many businesses would have survived because of my kid, who's a mail carrier, also has like just delight and no shame about that. Like that is the perfect job for her. Yeah. but if people were like didn't want to do that because it was just like beneath them because it didn't require a master's degree, it's an essential part of life. People be- receive their medication when they couldn't even leave their houses because my kid and others like her were bringing it to their homes. So it comes back to like finding a respect and uh, compassion and honor in every profession and every path seeing the value is so important and that's a new thing yeah yeah back to the beginning of this episode of this conversation we i always bring it back good job (laughs) (laughs) no but that's exactly it yeah because yeah it's we're all necessary like whatever we're good at we don't have to be good at some degree that it's going to give us all this prestigiousness or whatever that word is and why? You can't even find a job as a professor. Exactly. exactly. If, you're, if you want to help people learn something you're passionate about, even that's not paid enough to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and with this, we're not telling you to not go to school if that's what you want to no. do. No. <laughs> we're telling you to change the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing all of that, all of those stories and and in your beautiful way of telling them and, and for being so open to to tell your story and 
man, you were saying those things. And I was just like, I've, like I myself have felt like a failure for so long because I didn't finish school. And my dad was always giving me shame for it. Well, not always. That's very extreme, but constantly. <laughs> but like Atika said, we do <laughs> tend to do that to make sense of things. We exactly categorize them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. If you haven't listened to Atika's episode, go listen to go it listen because to we're it. really talking about it here. But, you know, he wanted the best for me and he wanted to. Of course. Yeah. And. But it was the degree thing. It's like, you know, he 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 held a lot, of, a lot of shame because I was a waitress for like five, seven years. And it was like, I'm, oh my gosh, like the best job ever. <laughs> Seriously. You get, to, <laughs> you get to feed people and make them feel welcome somewhere and then they leave and then you get a new person. Yeah, exactly. You get to sprinkle your goodness it was, all day long. It was, yeah. And I'd never feel shame around being a waitress. Like never, you know. But there was one time that he just like said it with that like, very dismissive way. I was just like, I make, because I was in the States too. And it's like, I love it. I get to talk to different people. I'm like, I get to be all cute and chatty and do small talk. And I'm not a person who is like, love small talk, but I loved it when I was doing that. And also yeah. like, it's part of the job. So there's a context for it, right? And yeah. it's a short period of time. So you can perform. Yeah. I was like, I'm making bank. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but I'm, I'm making money and I get, I'm good. You're charming. It, yeah. Yeah. Use um, your powers for good. <laughs> exactly. And also, I was also doing this in San Francisco and in Portland, Oregon as well. So it's like areas where being a waitress, you're... You're you're taken care of. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. uh, And respected. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So just want to mention that too. But anyways, yes, like the things that we can be feel shame around or guilty or just like inadequate and... There was something else that I wanted to say, and it's gone. I <laughs> I just want... <sighs> so for you and for everyone, <laughs> I have a working memory problem, so I do not... <laughs> I cannot, like, do not give me instructions with more than three steps. And anything that comes to my mind will fly away very fast. <laughs> so interviewing... I'm not very good at it, but we're having a conversation. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Mealy, don't you think everybody who interviews has this? They just don't, they're just not vulnerable enough to say it out loud. Maybe. Of course people forget, but you're open about it. Maybe. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Because this is, it's an interesting experience and it's definitely a learning experience. And I mean, I'm very curious, of course. And of course, I got all these questions coming to my head. <laughs> and if like, if I don't ask them in the moment, it's like, fuck, it's gone. And like, I've written some down, but also it's like, I want to listen. So if I'm right, I disconnect from it, which also takes me to, so did you go to like psychologist, psychiatrist or a neurologist for this? I went to a psychological nurse practitioner who is trained specifically in this. Okay. He has ADHD himself and it's pretty obvious. We had a discussion and then after the discussion, he gave me a test. And uh, when we had to make an appointment to review the results and, but he emailed me and he's like, in case you're wondering, you definitely have it. (laughs) And then when we looked at the results, it's like, it is a spectrum, but it's not a spectrum of one or another. It's like a, a holographic spectrum. So it's like either filled or, you know, the different kind of aspects that you can address. Um, like I said, 
both types. And that means that sometimes it's not visible outside of me. Um, like what's going on in my mind. This test kind of addresses that, like the way they ask the questions is supposed to address that. And of course, like when you're taking these tests, even if it's a personality test or whatever, they'll ask the same question in a different way. And you're like, but somehow I feel like I need to give a different answer this time because of the way it was asked or in this context of questions. And um, so you're supposed to like, just give the first answer. And so I followed the directions. Hmm. Virgo moon, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. So um, <laughs> or at least finish it. So the um, I just answered all the questions, honestly, and it was contradictory, of course. Um, but it requires a professional to not only like administer the test, but also to evaluate the results. Fairy godmother, how do you land on that? My friend Chen told me, you're like a sewing fairy godmother. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> That's mine now. And I started seeing that, whether it's like helping people figure out how to make making more accessible um, as a, like a business to business like consultant, helping people explain things or making things for people. I used to say I made other people's dreams come true. That's how my dreams come true. And there's some truth in that. But that also, you know, is very fairy godmother-like. I clarify because it's not a sacrificing my own dreams, like actually helping people bring their ideas into the world in the product development sense is my dream. <laughs> so it's not that I'm suppressing my own ambitions. It's that that is my ambition, to help everybody be as authentically themselves as they are and help them get their art into the world, help people feel, when it comes to clothing, like help people feel like they're expressing themselves, like they're cared for, embraced in the garment that's protecting them and that it fits so it honors their human structure no matter what that is and that it allows them to express their gender or their identity of other types in the way that helps them feel whole and not for somebody else to see, but f unless they want that, but for them to be as human as possible. So that's, that's why Sewing Fairy Godmother, because I do it through either the technical aspect of developing sewing patterns and developing sewn products or by using my own hands or allowing my own hands to be used to connect ideas and finished goods for people personally. This year, I have started a new service and it's only, it hasn't been listed on my website. This is the trouble with me. So much of my work is word of mouth that I don't have time to offer it because I'm already, I'm already full uh, schedule wise because I'm only one person. Um, and the service is uh, archetype incarnation facilitation. So I love it. Yeah, it involves timeline jumping if that's necessary because I'm a timeline jumping facilitator. It um, involves like using the tarot or other kinds of um, Jungian archetypes in order to figure out who you want to be. Um, it uses the philosophy of unclothed cognition, like dress for the the person you want to be or the role you want to play. And then it also embraces um, personal expression and fit and the actual 
magic of the textiles themselves to make a custom garment for somebody that is based on who they want to be. And so also it's like a three to six month process. So it's not something that I'm going to be offering, you know, as a like, yeah, it's this very special personal experience with me, but it has been so satisfying and honor and like such an honor for me to be able to help people see how beautiful they are. And I feel like the Gene Key sessions are the same thing. Like I fall in love with people when I see their profile before I even meet them, because I see all of these gifts and like, oh, how valuable they are in the world. This archetype incarnation facilitation is is kind of that, but it brings it to the material world. So it's something you can have on your body to help remind you. Sometimes I bring in flower essences. Sometimes there are crystals. Sometimes there are messages that speak to me that need to be delivered, or there are questions that I ask and put together a journal. So it's it's a very involved process, but I'm at the, the tail end of one of them right now. And I really feel like what an honor it is that I have honed this skill of mine, being able to make something from my imagination and see the parts so that it can become something that makes somebody feel more like themselves and helps them walk through the world with confidence and wholeness and just a sense of being able to step into who they want to become. It's not because of the garment. It's everything that goes into it. And that is all magic. And that is all coming from the earth, heaven, the the magic that exists in the air around us, the plants, the animals that are in my environment now, the thoughts that come in, all of that magic, galaxy kind of brain magic comes together in order to to bring this to somebody, the energy, the healing, the, all of it um, for somebody to experience that is the ultimate expression of my sewing fairy godmotherness. <laughs> also, as as complex and advanced and personal and labor and spirit intensive as that is, I always come back to wanting just to teach people the basics. I love teaching beginners how to make something or repair something, uh, how they can express their connection with their ancestors, the earth, their own um, skills by practice and um that's why I developed a course called Sewing is Magic, where people can teach themselves how to make something. And it's not just follow this book or like pick whatever, you know, you can learn everything on the University of YouTube. Like I'm not saying oh, yeah. it's, it's like anything different. Maybe the way I explain it is different or the belief I have in people is different because I really feel like anybody can do it if they want to. Um but I've developed it in a way, systematic way, that allows people to have success immediately. And then they start to see things differently because they understand what goes into making it. And they know that they could make it. And so they can choose whether to make it or buy it. And sometimes it's not cheaper to make it. Sometimes it's more expensive to make something than it is to buy it. And so you're more in choice. And so allowing people to feel empowered by a skill that everybody's ancestor had to learn and employ and practice and uh, bring that into today so that we can be less wasteful and respect what 
the earth has given us and other humans have given us in order to be able to clothe, express, protect ourselves, uh, to surround ourselves with things that are meaningful. Um, that's so important to me. So I always go back to the essentials and it starts with sewing a straight line. And four weeks later, you make a pattern so that you make your own garment. And in between, you've already learned how everything you basically you need to know to be able to take classes from somebody else or to make a pattern or to, you know, start to experiment. That's why sewing fairy godmother, because that's who I am. My cheeks hurt and they're ticking because of your energy, just how pleased this makes me and how happy this makes me. Again, back to your magic, just so contagious. So, and all of these beautiful ideas that you have and all of these beautiful things that you create, like what you call them, the spider web of your world, just all of those connections that you've made. That one thing. The other thing is it just clicked as you were talking, you know, the Sagittarius you as the guide, you know, just, and again, I don't know why, but like the fairy godmother, traditionally Jupiter, right? Oh, my Jupiter's in Sagittarius. Oh, my dear. Yeah. They're right next go. to my Mercury retrograde in the 11th house of service and community. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. And then, yes. I'm meant to do this. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine, everybody. I'm doing what I'm supposed <laughs> to do. It doesn't matter that I didn't get my degree in economics. <laughs> it's fine that I'm not an ambassador <laughs> to Germany. Was that something that was like on deck then, baby? I took a foreign service exam at 20 years old. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> fascinating. You're so fascinated. That's exactly where you are. I'm a surprise inside a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so magic. It's not the same as Mending Lab, right? They're two different offerings. No. Oh, that's right. I offer free Mending Lab. I didn't, ugh, I didn't do it last quarter because I everything my life was a country song this summer. So everything was happening and I wasn't able to offer it. But I did do it in person at a local place here. But online on my website, I have a quarterly mending lab. There's a theme. It's free. You just sign up. Um, you can donate if you like. That's great. It, it helps free. me. Yeah, it, it's by donating anything you want. Like awesome. if it's zero dollars, that's fine. If it's a hundred dollars, that's fine. I'll either donate it to somebody or buy supplies that I can share with people or use that time to like buy some time to make a video to share so that it lives on. You know, it all goes back into the project of the Mending Lab. Yeah, that's free because I want people to to have an opportunity to develop skills in a very low risk environment. I even encourage people like bring clothes that you're going to donate because mm. the people who are going to receive them will appreciate that they are repaired. And then there's also like such a, you're not mending the cashmere sweater that was your great grandma's, right? You're mending something that you bought that just doesn't suit you anymore that you don't want to throw in the garbage that you want someone else to be able to wear. Mm. So there's that. Uh, and then sewing is magic is a course. It's a four week. I it was designed as four weeks, but um, starting in a couple weeks, actually, it's going to be available as a completely self led, self paced course. Okay, everything's self contained. The resources are all there, and I'm still available to answer questions. But it did have live components, and the schedule was really always difficult to work out with the the people. So. I, I just put it all together and addressed all of the questions and tried to anticipate the questions um, and give people enough freedom to explore things, but enough structure so that they could follow 
align if they wanted to in order to develop their sewing skill. And they will be, like I said, prepared to take any other class or take on a project that it lives in their dreams when they get to the end of these four weeks. Okay. This is really good. So it's going to be released, like it's going to start to be released as the self-contained thing in a couple of weeks. So this is perfect timing. So basically the person could also move at their own pace as well. Yes. Right. Yeah. Some people bought it when it launched last year and still haven't started it, but that's okay. It's there for them. And because they purchased it, they helped me um, keep refining it so that it could be self-contained. And they helped me, by investing in me, have time to focus on making it as clear as possible and as supportive as possible. There are magic spells in there to become friends with yourself and release perfectionism, toxic perfectionism. I think it's okay to move toward perfection, but understanding it's a process and that it's a moving target is important. I like that. Um, there are spells in there to close the container when you're done with the four weeks so that you can seal in those skills, know that they're there for you and move on. There um, are encouraging audios in the middle to, there's one of them specifically to kind of help people get through the hard part if it feels hard. Um, and one of my students, I was going to be just machine sewing and somebody in the second cohort said, you know, not only do I not have a sewing machine with me, but also I, I, I want to learn to like connect with my hands because to me that is more magical. And so I thought, okay, great. I'll just make everything also available to sew by hand. So you have an option. And so because people invested in that in the first two cohorts, it is complete. And so I can offer it as a gift. It's very affordable, I think. Um, a <laughs> a half-day workshop with me costs more than this class, which is four weeks of material, for $250. Wow. Um, the first 20 people who sign up actually get a kit with um, sample materials so they can know, like, oh, she's saying this kind of fabric, this is an example of it, and there's enough to actually make something and practice with it. And there are, like, tools of the trade in this little kit as well, and I'm just selling it at, at cost. I just put together a little kit. Um, but I'm giving that as a gift to the first people who sign up, and then it'll be available for purchase if people want to buy it. But like I said, at cost, you can buy the things yourself. But since I have fabric that was either donated to me or that I've just had over the years, why not share it with people and basically just it mostly just pays for the postage to get it to them. <laughs> so, so yeah, that is uh, that's something I'm delighted with and. Like I said, I love going back to basics and learning new things myself and sharing different ways I approach um, making and connecting. And I wanted to have it as a self-paced thing so that I could move on to the next one and help people like develop whatever, who, whoever wants to start making their own clothes, like that's the next one coming. Intuitive pattern making, oh, building a garment making grimoire. I love that. Because it's all just spells we cast, really. And so knowing the different formulas to get from one, the project that we finish in sewing is magic with, to like something completely different. I've already taught these in person. I know they work. So that's going to be the next thing. But it's going to be next year because I want to give it the same respect and um, space to grow into something that is self-explanatory. So it provides freedom and self-pacing. Uh, but I'm always available to answer questions because I'm me. <laughs> 
Because I'm still sewing fairy godmother. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. And no, I mean, I saw Mendin Lab sometime last year, I think uh, a few times, and I wanted to join. I didn't know it was free. I'm also like now always paying 100% attention on Instagram. So, you know, we fell at that. And then, and I've, you know, like I have like four different things that I need to fix with my cloth. And I'm like, I'm just saving them for when Mendin Lab is happening again. <laughs> great. Well, great. Um, <laughs> Go have a look at uh, karenlepage.me slash quarterly mending labs and you will see um, the schedule of them and the theme of them and where you can sign up. Once you sign up once, you just always get the alerts for when the next one's going to happen. Awesome. I don't record them because I want it to be its own ephemeral space. But if there's a common question that people ask, I do try to make a tutorial so that's available on my website. But part of it is just having a sewing circle, a community where we together are all valuing the importance of keeping something instead of throwing it out. Yeah. This is, again, more beauty to everything that you do. I look, I live in Colombia. Like, I hate doing shopping here. And I'm just like, I just wish I could make my own clothes. So, like, I know exactly because Karen's got this gift. For us. <laughs> um, once again, a million things that I want to go about, but yes, I will definitely have you on the show once more if you Yay! would love to be on the show once again. Um, of course. Because wow, it just it's just a lot. And a lot is not a bad thing. A lot is a great thing. There's so much beauty, there's so much magic in you. I really love our time together. Me too. You are a clear example as well of what I meant on the trailer by highly sensitive people are witches. Like, and uh, you were, we were talking about it on Instagram a few days ago, your sigil making into the clothing, please. That's right. That's part of that archetype incarnation facilitation where I made a sigil that expresses it so that I can actually draw it on the sewing pattern, the paper where it's electronic and, you know, you also get a notion dashboard that has questions, reflection questions and like, you know, the sewing pattern. So if you want to make another one, you can hire a local tailor to make, you know, to just do the making of the thing. If you want it in every color, well, cool. It already fits you. It's perfect for you. Make it in every color because I'm not a production sewer. Um, right. Yeah. I love this so much. The archetypal incarnation. My gosh. <laughs> just uh, me and everyone. Let's all work with Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> I just love your offerings. I'm, it's, it's all true. And like, I love clothing. I'm going to speak a little bit briefly. I, after my dad passed away last year, I became, I had to become a very practical human being. And so for that, I had to embody, embody a very practical person. And at that time, my clothes were a black t-shirt and pants. And then a few months ago, I was like, okay, I don't need to be this person anymore. So who am I now? Hence, like, like I had to figure it out on my own. But now Karen has an offering. You have an offering for this of archetypal incarnation where you get to choose who the fuck you want to be. And yeah, bring that inner world out with your clothing, which is so empowering. What is it called again? Uh, clothing. You said it earlier. Enclosed cognition. There we go. Thank you. Yes. Like such a powerful tool that 
is not speaking off a lot. And or it's taken as like shallow, like, oh, I'm wearing this costume. Right. Well, you know what? Wearing a costume is powerful too. Why do actors embody a role by wearing a costume and makeup and, and becoming the archetype they're going to represent so that we can all learn or enjoy or connect with them through that? You know, that's a There's great. no disrespect to the costume. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, yes, all of that. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much for your Thank valuable you. time. Thank you so much for your beautiful magic. Thank you for us. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and your stories and everything you shared with us today. Thank you. Like all podcasts, where can people find you? Mm. Well, you can find me around. <laughs> I live in Seattle, the uh, unceded territory of the Coast Salish and Duwamish people still fighting for federal recognition. Also, I'd like to encourage people to discover the land that they're occupying and discover maybe there's a way that they can pay rent to the tribes who were there first. That program's available here in, in Seattle, but it might be available elsewhere too. Anyway, you can find me here in Seattle. You can find me on my website, karenlepage.me. You can find me on Instagram um, for now. We'll see. Mm. Uh, Fair point. Yeah, I'm around. Awesome. I'm not hiding. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, this was beautiful. And again, thank you for your time and your magic. I love this. Thank Thanks for sharing everything that you're doing. I am your biggest fan. And I cannot wait for every episode because I make time for it. I save it until... I have time to actually listen and I love having you here with me in my space or in my car or wherever I'm listening. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're again, you're one of the people that I'm, that why I'm here doing this. So thank you. I'm so grateful you are. Wasn't it so fun to witness Karen's thinking and the many places she took us during this interview, all the little spots of her mind that we got to witness. I love how one moment we were talking about her Chiron return and how it helped that transit help her heal that multi-dimensionality of hers. And then suddenly we're talking about understanding oneself through different tools such as astrology, human design, gene keys, reparenting yourself. I love that line of when she makes that connection to the inner child being the magician. And I just love how we made that connection back to Atika's episode, episode two, if you haven't listened to it. That theme of reparenting yourself just keeps coming back and how even if we had a difficult childhood or we have a difficult relationship with our caregivers, our parents, we can always go back. Like, obviously, the damage isn't going to be like, dissolved just because but we can always repair in ourselves and try to nurture ourselves in the way that well we didn't really receive that love the way that maybe we needed it anyways just coming back to that inner child and finding the magic and fascination in that beginner's mind and I really loved and appreciated that that line and that's also something we can come back to in her way of how 
she has healed the need that she has to be one thing because that's what was expected of her and she didn't want to be one thing. She wanted to be many things and she is many things. The many things she has been and the many things she could also have been but she chose not to, to care for her daughter, to care for her child. I just thought that that was really beautiful and following her curiosity of her inner child and how she says that, you know, she's a vessel for what is trying to come through, through her. It's back to that magician. It's back to that inner child. It's back to healing that relationship to come back and just be who you want to be. And in her case, living many lives within this one life, assuming at least this one current life. And I truly appreciate that she walked us through her life as a highly sensitive person while also being diagnosed with ADHD and how she's combined the two and the two make her experience and how she's figured out a way to live under that experience. And, you know, she's found support with her family. She's found support in medicine, which is all very necessary. And she's found support within herself with her tools to be able to live her life under this traits there's so many gold nuggets here and i feel like there's no way for me to summarize all of her beautiful thinking and all of her beautiful ideas because it's a lot and as we said at the end of the episode a lot doesn't have to be a bad thing a lot it's great a lot it's good and i feel like she gave us so much so take what you need take what serves you and leave out the rest because obviously we each have our own experiences. But I think that her experience may resonate with some of you as well. Just like I resonated with so many things from her own experience and so things for myself in the process. Before we go, I just want to let you know that there's been an update on Karen's offering Sewing is Magic. She is now offering it with the sewing kit included. So you have the experience of different types of fabric before you have to make the decision on your own without experiencing them. In this way, you are better supported for success in your sewing journey with her. The new investment for Sewing is Magic is 288 USD dollars, American dollars, <laughs> which is for the course, the kit, and the shipping to anywhere in the world. If learning to sew has been in your bucket list or you're in deep need of a new hobby, this is your chance to join and learn from sewing fairy godmother Karen Lapache. As always, in order for highly sensitive people to find each other, we gotta get seen and reviews help us, sensitively magical, get noticed by the algorithm so we can reach more people like you and me. Please rate and review if you think other people would benefit from this podcast. To everyone who leaves a review during October 2022, I'm sending a 15-minute pre-recorded astrological reading to give you self-care tools based on your own birth chart. So all you have to do is take a screenshot on Apple Podcasts before you hit submit and send it to me at mil, M-I-L, at aletheacoven.com with your date, time, and place of birth. This is all so I can actually look at your birth chart, otherwise I won't be able to do it. Little update, personally, there's been over a hundred plays of this podcast now, so I just want to really thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you so much for resharing my episodes and this podcast because it's like 
made with all of the love. And I just hope that you're feeling all the love that I'm sending to you with my words. And once again, thank you so much for letting me share my magic with you. Our music is created by Africa And this show, this very fancy, fancy show is produced and edited by me, Millie Quintero. Okay, bye.